Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. We are approaching the climax of Lent. We have Holy Week next week. And next week, we're going to be reflecting on the Passion narratives. We're going to hear them in the Palm Sunday liturgy. We're going to hear them again at Good Friday. And hopefully, we're spending time in those Passion narratives in the Gospels and our own private prayer and devotions in the next week. But do you ever notice that there's sometimes in the Passion narrative something Jesus says or does and you're not sure what it means. Do you remember, for example, like when he's uh, he's talking with Caiaphas and Caiaphas asks him a question and Jesus says, you have said so. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Imagine if I ask one of my kids, hey, did, did you take out the trash? And the kid says, you have said so. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> you know, what does Jesus mean by that? You know, but one of my uh, one of my favorite passages to try to unpack for people, it, it's one of the most mysterious ones. It comes in what's known as the eighth station of the cross. Jesus meets the women of Jerusalem. Remember that scene? You know, so here's here's what's going on. Jesus is carrying his heavy cross. He's fallen a bunch of times. He's just suffering so much. But then there's these women on the side of the road who have such compassion for Jesus. They feel so sorrowful that he's been falsely condemned, that he's forced to carry this cross, that he has to go be killed at Calvary, and they're weeping for him. So Jesus finally meets, uh, you know, somebody there that's 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 reaching out to him in compassion. This is this should be a, a very positive moment, but then he says to them these strange words. Have you ever wondered about this? Listen to what he says. This is in Luke chapter twenty-three. He says, "Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me." but weep for yourselves and for your children. What is he talking about? Why is he saying, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves? That seems a little harsh at first glance, doesn't it? And then he goes on and he says, but behold, the days are coming when they will say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore. Why is Jesus talking about barrenness being blessed? I mean, I thought in the Bible, having children was a blessing. Why is he talking about blessed are the barren? And then he says, then the people will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. Why would anyone want to say mountains fall on us? <laughs> and then he starts talking about green and dry wood. He says, for if this is what they do when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? These are strange words. You know, I think sometimes when we come across something in the Bible that we don't understand, we, t we as Catholics, you know what we tend to do? We tend to just skip it. <laughs> we just, you know, press fast forward. You know, we don't apply our mind to try to understand. We just go, well, I don't know what that meant. That sounds a little strange, but I'll just move on. I, you know, it's in the Bible. I don't know if the Bible, maybe it's Bible world. The Bible world doesn't have to make sense, so I'll just read on. <laughs> well, no, no. I want you to know everything in the Bible is there for a reason. And everything does make sense, even if we don't grasp it at first. In fact, when we read something like this that's a little mysterious, a little cryptic, we're not sure what it means, I want you to know that I think that's God's word challenging us to dig a little deeper, not to skip over it, but to ask questions. Maybe go ask our priest or go find some good resources online. He wants us to go deeper because oftentimes there's a great spiritual gem there waiting for us that God wants to bless us with some beautiful insight or reveal something about his love for us. And that's the case with this passage that we're going to look at here today. We're going to focus on the meaning of this eighth station of the cross. Jesus meets the women of Jerusalem, and hopefully that helps us enter into Christ's passion better as we begin Holy Week. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree, and 
I have been so blessed here in 2021 to be able to visit many parishes, dioceses, speak at different Catholic conferences again. And uh, it's just so encouraging seeing a number of pastors and bishops and other church leaders starting to gradually open up safely, gradually, prudently, of course, with social distancing, but being able to provide faith formation for their people again and faith formation together in fellowship. We need that. Our faith is incarnational. Uh, Jesus didn't save the world on a screen. If he wanted to save the world on a screen, he could have done it, you know, in 2020, he could have waited, you know, till Zoom was was really polished, you know, and okay, now it's the, the now it's the fullness of time. Zoom is here. We can we can save the world through a screen. That's not what he did. He came down and took on human flesh and dwelt among us. And he draws us into fellowship together. It's so good to see a number of parishes and dioceses opening up and offering faith formation in person again. I was blessed to be with Bishop Ricken in the Green Bay Diocese for the Green Bay Catholic Men's Conference this last weekend. And I'm so encouraged for the men there who are getting ready to launch small groups in all different regions of their diocese to serve the men, to build up virtuous, holy men of God in their homes, in the workplace, and in the world. That's awesome. Please pray for those men. I was also blessed to speak at a cluster of a number of rural parishes in the diocese. That was a lot of fun. I I got my first Wisconsin Supper Club experience. I had no idea what a supper club is. You'll have to go online and check that out. That was quite the experience as well. But I want to offer you something that to draw to your attention that could be helpful uh, as you're getting into Holy Week here. I was blessed to be a part of a resource, a video resource that, that could be really helpful in Holy Week. We were able to film in Gethsemane right there where Jesus's agony in the garden took place. We were able to film at Caiaphas's house where he was on trial before the Sanhedrin and film in the courtyard of Caiaphas where Peter denied Jesus three times and then the streets of Jerusalem where we remember Jesus's uh, way of the cross, the Via Dolorosa. And then we got to film for a, a half a day right there at Calvary at all the side chapels in the Church of the Holy Sepulcher and uh, right there at the, the rock of, of Golgotha, right where Jesus died. And it's an incredible experience to be able to see where all these events took place. And I was leading a couple through this, this pilgrimage through Christ's passion and unpacking all the biblical background, but doing it right there on location where we can visualize it all. So if you're looking for something for yourself, for your marriage, for your family, to really zoom in on Christ's passion here in Holy Week, you can stream this from your own home from your own laptop, from your own phone, and it's available at ascensionpress.com. The program is based on my book called No Greater Love, A Biblical Walk Through Christ's Passion. And again, you can get this at ascensionpress.com. You could stream it right uh, to your own home, to your own phone. I think it's only like $10. And so uh, for something to visualize, to see where Christ's passion unfolded with biblical teaching right there on location, you could check that out. It's called No Greater Love, and you can find it at ascensionpress.com. Now, I want to take us back to this mysterious scene on the way to Calvary, that eighth station of the cross, Jesus meeting the women of Jerusalem. I want you to consider the opening line when Jesus says to these women, weep not for me, weep not for me. Did you know Jesus has used that language before, earlier in Luke's gospel? And that background, I think, sheds a lot of light on what he's saying to these women. You see, he spoke those words when the widow at Nain, her son, had died. And Jesus says to her, do not weep. Do not weep. Because he's coming to raise her son from the dead. 
Similarly, Jairus's daughter, do you remember Jairus's daughter had died and there's all the people wailing and, and, and grieving uh, her death. And Jesus comes and says to them, do not weep. Why? Because there in Luke 8, 52, he's, he's coming. He's coming to raise the daughter from the dead. Jesus is the, the resurrection and the life. He's coming to raise the dead. And, and he's basically giving hope to these women. He's saying to these women, you know, don't weep because I'm the one who raises others from the dead. <laughs> I'll be able to be raised myself. He's giving them hope. He's going to be raised on the third day. That's part of what he's doing here. He appreciates that they're reaching out to him with this compassion, that they're sorrowful over what's happening, but he's trying to encourage them. Don't weep. The Father is with me. I'm going to be raised on the third day. But then he says these other strange words, blessed are the barren. And this is the key to really unpacking this passage. I I want to give you a little sense of the historical background here. When he's talking to these women, he's actually showing compassion for them in these words. And I know you don't see that at first here, but I want to give you the background here because Jesus knows that these women are going to face a horrific suffering in the years to come. He knows what's going to happen to their children, these women's children in Jerusalem. He knows what's going to happen to them. And he knows the the great pain and suffering that these children are going to go through and thus their mothers are going to go through, which is why Jesus is, is turning in compassion toward them. Uh, you see, what Jesus knows is that these little boys that they have, you know, these little children that they have, these boys are going to grow up and they are eventually going to be a part of the revolution against Rome. Around 66, 67 AD, there's going to be this great revolt, of revolt against Rome. And Rome is going to lay a siege on the city of Jerusalem. And it's going to be absolutely devastating when that siege happens. There's going to be tremendous famine in the in the city of Jerusalem. People are going to be dying. Josephus, the Jewish historian, talks about the, the, the fighting among the Jews as they're desperately trying to find food. Many children dying because there's not enough food. The, the battles going on, people killing each other. It even describes, this is really sad, but even like how sometimes people have to eat other human beings because they're there was nothing else to eat, and it's just how, how horrible it's going to be when this comes upon Jerusalem. Jesus, in fact, we know he prophesied about this when he first came into Jerusalem in Luke 19. He said, Would even today that you knew the ways that made for peace, but now they're hid from your eyes. And he's speaking to the people of Jerusalem. He says, for the day shall come upon you and your enemies will cast up a bank about you and surround you and hem you in on every side and dash you to the ground, you and your children within you. So children in mother's wombs are going to be dashed to the ground, are going to be killed. This is why while normally having children is a great blessing in the scripture, Jesus is saying there's a a sense in which, you know, the the blessed are the barren because it's going to be less painful for them than when the mothers are dashed to the grounds by the Romans. There's another line he says in Luke chapter 21, while he was in Jerusalem, Luke 21 verse 20 says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by the armies, then know that the desolation has come near. He goes on to say that these are going to be days of vengeance. Alas, for those who are with child and for those who give suck in those days, for great distress shall come upon the earth and wrath upon the people. Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles. 
And so he's been giving these hints, these prophecies about how Jerusalem is going to be surrounded by Rome. Rome is going to inflict this great devastation upon the people, and women and their children are going to suffer tremendously. That's why Jesus says those who are barren, those that don't have kids, they're going to suffer too, but it won't be as, as, as much as when the women have to watch their children suffer so much. When he talks about the mountains falling, it's a reference to Hosea chapter 10, verse 8, way back, century, seven centuries before Jesus, the foreign nation of Assyria came in uh, to the Samaritans and, and destroyed the city of Samaria, and it was devastating. And in that day, it was prophesied that the people would say, may the hills fall at us, may the mountains fall at us. In other words, it's a prayer for a quick death. That's what that's about. And finally, when Jesus starts talking about green wood and dry wood, what is that all about? This is the real key to unlocking the prophecy. So give me your best attention right now. I want to make sure you understand this because this is what really unlocks the whole prophecy. And then it'll be the doorway for understanding application for our own lives. You see, in the Bible, fire was sometimes an image for God's judgment, God coming in judgment with fire. And we know that when you have a fire, you want dry wood, right, to make a fire. But green wood, green wood is moist. It has moisture in it. That's why it's green. And so you don't typically take green wood and put it into a fire pit <laughs> if you're trying to make a fire. You, you need dry wood. So when I'm with my boys and we're out camping in the Rockies here. They go out and they try to find that dry wood, not the green wood, but the dry wood to make the fire. Jesus says, if this is what they do when the wood is green, imagine what they do when the wood is dry. What's he talking about? Well, he's basically saying, I'm like green wood. Jesus is saying, I'm innocent. I'm not a threat to the Roman empire. I mean, they framed me. The chief priest said I was a king, that I was preventing people from paying taxes, that I was leading a revolt against Rome. I'm no revolutionary. I was the one calling for peace <laughs> and, and, and not vengeance and, and praying for your enemy and enduring persecution, not rising up against your enemy. And he's saying, I'm innocent. I am no threat to Rome. If this is what Rome does to me, like I'm green wood, and they're taking me to be crucified as a criminal, as a revolutionary, as a threat to, to Caesar, if this is what they do to me, I'm like green wood. Imagine what they will do when the wood is dry. In other words, imagine when there's real revolutionaries, this next generation, the women of Jerusalem, their children will grow up and they will be a part of that generation that will revolt against Rome. They are real revolutionaries. Jesus is saying, if this is what they do to me, I'm innocent when the wood is dry. Imagine what the Romans will do to your children when they are guilty for rising up against Rome as real revolutionaries. They're going to be like dry wood and Rome will come and burn down this city. It will be destroyed. That's what happens in 70 AD. The temple is destroyed and it's never been rebuilt all these years. For 2,000 years, that temple has never been rebuilt. There's never been sacrifices offered at the altar. The old covenant has ended. Christ's sacrifice is the one true sacrifice offered for all humanity now. So we can make sense out of these words, but I think what I take away from this is how Jesus, Jesus is thinking of these women and he's showing compassion for them. And this is something I want you to pay attention to throughout Holy Week as you keep hearing the gospel stories, especially the ones 
about Christ's passion, that Christ is never focused on himself. He's constantly thinking about other people. As he's about to be betrayed by Judas, he's thinking about Judas. He's grieving that Judas is going to do this treacherous act. He's trying to evangelize Judas all the way to the last moment. He calls Judas by name. He says, Judas, he, he calls him by name and he calls him friend. He's doing everything he can to say, my friend, Judas, I know you. I know you by name. Don't do this. <laughs> He's thinking of him. I think about when Peter denied Jesus three times, how Jesus looked at Peter when the cock crowed. They made, they made eye contact right then, right after Peter did that horrible thing and denied Jesus. And it says that Jesus turned and looked at him. I think he looked at him with great compassion, great love. He knew how horrible Peter felt inside at that moment. And Jesus is thinking of him. I think about it at the cross again. Jesus is being mocked. He's being ridiculed. But he's thinking of the people that are persecuting him that day. The people who are executing him, those Roman soldiers. He's thinking of the chief priests, the other people that are there that are, again, mocking him, saying, if you are the son of God, come down. All those things. I think Jesus is thinking of them. He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He's constantly thinking about other people, the good thief. He's thinking about his mother. He's thinking about St. John. In the midst of his greatest suffering, he's constantly thinking about others including this scene right here with the women in Jerusalem. Yes, he's grateful that they're showing him compassion and that they're weeping, but he says, don't weep for me. I'm, I've got this. <laughs> I, I, I have the power to raise the dead. I did it for the widow of Nain's son, and I, I did it for Jairus' daughter. I'm going to be okay. Do not weep for me. But he, his heart goes out to the women, though. But weep for yourselves and for your children. Because if this is what Rome is doing to me, an innocent man, just imagine what they're going to do to your, your kids when they rise up against Rome. Imagine what the Romans are going to do to your children. I feel so badly for what's going to happen. And, and Jesus, he, he's going, reaching out in compassion for them. Here's the takeaway, my friends. Two things. First of all, I think in our own lives, when, when we sin, when we make mistakes, when we fall short, maybe we look back on this Lent, we realize we dropped the ball on a couple of things. We set out, you know, with certain devotions, certain sacrifices, and, and, and we failed in certain areas, maybe. And we feel bad about that. And we should. We made a mistake. We, we, we should be sorrowful for that. But don't think of Jesus as pointing fingers at you, condemning you, accusing you, you had a wretched Lent. <laughs> you know, I think Jesus looks at us like he looked at Peter. I think he, he looks at us like he looked at the women of Jerusalem. He's thinking of us. He knows that we feel badly. All we need to do is tell him sorry, bring it to confession. By the way, that's one thing you should do here before we get to Good Friday, get to confession. Go to confession sometime. Find somewhere in your diocese. If you have to drive a half hour to find a place to go to confession, go do it. It's so important you get to confession in the Lenten season. The, the grace is waiting for you there. And Jesus just wants to embrace you. And he wants to forgive you. He has compassion for you. He's thinking of you. Uh, I think when we, we make mistakes and, and we sin we, in our marriage, we fall short in our marriage. We fall short in the way we parented our kids. We fall short in certain dating relationships in the community, in the workplace. And there's just relationships we have. We know we just, we didn't give our best. We weren't virtuous. 
take it to the Lord. Again, he's not pointing fingers, not condemning. If Jesus in his passion is thinking about Judas <laughs> and wanting to just do everything he can to win Judas's heart back, if he's doing that for Judas, who is so outright about to betray him, I think he's going to call you by name and he's going to call you friend for whatever little thing that you've done in your marriage, in your family, in your Lenten devotions, whatever it might be. He's going to reach out to you. He's going to reach out to you just like he reached out in compassion with the women of Jerusalem. And the last thing I think we can take away is for our own lives, that Jesus wants us to imitate him. There's times when we experience moments of suffering where we're exhausted or we're just stressed out, you know, overwhelmed with pressures at work, pressures of things we have to get done, deadlines, pressures at home, the kids need us, whatever it is. And we can be so overwhelmed. The temptation is to focus on ourselves and those moments of difficulty, moments when we're stretched, moments when we're sad, moments when we're suffering. The virtue of patience is the virtue really, according to Aquinas, that helps us to rise above our feelings of sorrow. And sometimes we can be so closed in on ourselves and our own troubles, our own difficulties. Jesus was not like that in his passion. All throughout this, I mean, if you talk about a, a, somebody that had a bad day, <laughs> think about what Jesus went through. And he's constantly thinking of others all throughout. That's what we see throughout the passion narratives. We see it right here with the women of Jerusalem. And Jesus wants to see us respond in the same way. So the next time you have a bad day, next time you're a little overwhelmed, you're a little sad, rise above your emotion and still think about others and give your best to them. That's what Jesus does. And he wants to do that in our own souls. Thanks so much for listening. And again, if you want more on Christ's passion, understanding the biblical background, you can stream those videos, No Greater Love, filmed in Jerusalem, step-by-step -step through Christ's passion. You can get those at ascensionpress.com. You can stream them there on your phone, from your own home, with your family, with your friends, on your own. Again, ascensionpress.com. You can find No Greater Love, the video series there. Thanks for listening. Any questions, always reach out to me on my website, edwards3.com. That's edwardsri.com. You can find me at Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. God bless.